Hello there guys, this is Demonic Bishop back here again for the incredible episode 3 of the Infernal Symphony Pestilence podcast. Blimey, I can't believe we've got here already. How the hell has this happened guys? We've somehow gone from having one episode in 2018 to having three full length episodes back to back to back, month by month in 2019 and it looks like it's going to continue to grow and progress well into next year 2020 because as you know I've been working really really hard on making this podcast even bigger and better every single month and it looks like that's finally happening so we're into December now of course next month is going to be the new year's edition of Infernal Symphony's Pestilence podcast which will be episode four but right now let's focus on episode three because we do have some very awesome exciting things that I've got planned for this month's edition of the podcast so thank you very much guys once again for joining us and for uh, helping to continue to grow the community and the fan base of both Infernal Symphony the band and the Pestilence podcast itself as well so Thank you very much, guys, for uh, joining us. I'll be taking you along a, br- uh, a brilliant, wonderful journey this month because we've got all kinds of incredible topics to cover. And I have absolutely no plan for this episode whatsoever, so let's just see where it goes. But uh, obviously the first thing to talk about is the fact that we have had a couple of new albums out the past month. Unfortunately, there isn't a third one to add this month because, hey, come on, guys, I'm only one guy. I can only do so much. But rest assured, I've had tons of things I've been working on in the background. And obviously, you know, fitting all of that in between working on uh, my actual, you know, day-to-day job, my nine-to-five, also fitting it around my home life and with Christmas because that's obviously coming up. You can't get away from that, guys. Uh, Not only that, all the other sorts of stuff I've been doing with obviously running this podcast as well as the Facebook page and everything else. Somehow I've still managed to cram in enough time to work on a couple of new albums which will be coming out at the start of the year next year. Not entirely sure what the time frame for those is right now, but uh, I'll be following up with the album that I mentioned in the last podcast to do with, uh, you know, debating and atheism and uh, philosophy and logic and those kind of topics. So that'll be an album that'll be out. But I've also planned a second album. Uh, I think I may also have the beginnings of the third album in the Zealots of the Never uh, series. So there's not really an ETA or a time frame for that because that is still in the very early stages. But, uh, you know, that will be coming out in the first quarter of 2020. Bloody hell, I can't even believe we're that close. Does anyone else think that the time the time is going really, really quickly these days? Or is it just me? Is it my own fault for filling my time with so much stuff? I'm not too sure. But nevertheless, we've got all kinds of stuff planned for the future of Infernal Symphony. And that's, you know, with it coming towards the end of the year, this is also going to not just be the Christmas episode, but also the New Year episode of Infernal Symphony's Pestilence podcast as well. Because next month we'll be going into uh, obviously proper detail of some of the new stuff that we've got planned for the year. But I'll also be outlining some of that sort of stuff this time around as well. So uh, I'll go into the deep dive of that in a little short while. As has become tradition around these parts, I'm going to leave you just for a quick minute for a little bit of a, uh, uh, a bit of an informational break from one of our sponsors and then also a preview of one of the new tracks that I've actually got. So this is a bit different for you guys. So the last couple of episodes, we've had a song from one of the albums that came out just before the podcast did. However, I'm going to mix things up a little bit this time around and give you a preview of a song I've just finished working on actually uh, last night, believe it or not, which is going to be for a new album coming out next year. But you guys... See, this is what happens when you listen to the podcast, guys. You know, this is why it's worth doing. Because regardless of whether you're a fan of us on Facebook or whether you're a fan of us on the Bandcamp page or if you're a member of the Heathens Club, this podcast 
believe it or not, is the only place to catch the premieres and the exclusive first listens to some of the new Inferno Symphony tracks. So if you're a massive fan of the band and you haven't checked the podcast out before, what are you waiting for? Make sure you subscribe to this and listen to it all the time because this is the quickest and best way of getting the early listen, very, very early listen on some of the new stuff that I've got planned. So let's not waste any more time. I'm going to give you a brand new track in just a second right after this word from our sponsors. So thank you very much, guys, and I'll be back very quickly. Okay then guys, so in lieu of an official sponsor, which we somehow are still waiting for Anchor to move the sponsorships from America only to uh, the rest of the world, including where I am, the UK, instead this section is going to be filled with a quick little uh, promo for my own uh, business venture. So in other words, this is a little bit of a promo for Infernal Symphonies, Bandcamp, plus the Heathens Club, and uh, anything else that we've got coming up as well. So head to infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com that is where you'll find all of our um, released um, albums, singles and EPs all of our whole discographies on there so you can listen to it all for free you can download most of it for a measly sum of £2.50 or slightly higher for longer albums and there are occasionally uh, you know, the odd uh, free album here or there or pay what you like album so that includes the debut that I created so many many moons ago Unholy Persecution and it's going to include an EP coming up in a couple of months as well um, but further to that you can head to the Heathens Club section of the site as well which allows you to subscribe to the Infernal Symphony Fan Club the Heathens Club which allows you to not only receive a ton of loads of different albums and EPs that have already come out it will also sign you up to instantly receive any of the new ones that come out in the future um, including all the new Dungeon Synth stuff that's coming up next year um, further to that it also gives you 20% off of all of our merchandise it allows you to get exclusive updates and polls and videos and photos from the Infernal Symphony fan club which also allows you to not only message me Demonic Bishop directly it also allows you to message other fellow Infernal Symphony fans face to face as well so there's tons of benefits guys if you're not signed up to it already you really should do so head to infernalsymphonyuk.pancamp.com head to the Heathens Club £3 a month and all of this could be yours Alright then guys, so thank you very much for listening to that and uh, apologies if it didn't appear because I'm still working on how those actually work. So it may be the case that you actually listen to this podcast now and there's actually no sponsorship there where there should be one but then you could come back to this in a few months time and they actually be there. So I don't know, I don't really understand how that works but hopefully that should work out eventually. But anyway, let's get to the topic at hand. So the next uh, thing I want to do is, since it's really early in the episode, it's about time you heard some Infernal Symphony music. And what a time it is as well, because uh, I've got so many different albums and projects lined up for next year, guys. You are honestly not going to believe it. You think the last couple of years have been crazy for the amount of release as well. You haven't seen anything yet. So to kick things off with that as a little early taster of some of the things I've got in mind. um, The actual thing I'm going to release isn't really going to be in your hands or, you know, coming through your ears um, for another couple of months at least. But uh, since though I've already come out with uh, two or three new albums over the last two or three months, 
There is going to be obviously a little bit of a gap for the rest of this month during December and then also possibly January and February as well, just so we can get all the Christmas and New Year stuff out of the way because as much as I like to write music, I'm sure, as you're aware guys, I'm sure you're aware I'm human, so I do obviously enjoy celebrating with friends and family as well, so even I'm not immune to that. But uh, even despite that, um, we still have some new stuff coming out pretty shortly after the New Year break, so, uh, you know, with that in mind... I'm actually going to let you know that I have a... It's not actually an album, but I'm planning on releasing a brand new Dungeon Synth EP. Either around about February or March time. So people who just subscribe to the Facebook page aren't really going to be aware of this until very, very soon before it comes out. But since you guys have taken the time to support me and listen to this podcast on the regular, I decided I'd give you guys the uh, the heads up a lot sooner. So... You know, that's what it is, guys. First come, first served. So, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. So, uh, the track in question I'm going to play for you is from my brand new EP, which is going to be coming out at the start of next year. And that is called The Litany of Errors EP. It's one of my proudest moments to date in terms of Dungeon Synth. I know I say things like that all the time when I come out of new music, but I really, really am incredibly shocked at how good this is, guys. You've honestly got to hear it to believe it. So luckily for you, you're about to. So this is the title track of the brand new EP coming out in a couple of months' time. If you want to buy that uh, EP once it's out, guys, I'm planning on uh, selling it for around about £2.50, or you never know, I may even make it pay what you like i haven't really decided yet but either way here's the title track of the forthcoming ep litany of errors So there we go guys, that was a clip of the first track of the brand new EP, Litany of Errors, which will be hopefully coming out in the next couple of months. 
Um, as I said earlier, I'm not entirely sure exactly when it'll be out because it depends on how long it takes me to write it and record it and also depends on how uh, sober I am after uh, Christmas and New Year. But uh, I'm hoping to have it done within the next couple of months and at the start of the next year. So I'm really excited for that. If, the, if you're interested, I'm actually going to be playing a couple of other short little clips from it um, as we go throughout the episode. But to be fair, um, I'm not going to play too much, A, because most of it isn't written yet, and B, also because uh, with it being an EP, I don't want to overplay too much of it because, you know, if I do that, otherwise there'll, there'll be nothing left for you to check out when it actually comes out. So, um, so yeah, so I might play another little clip very, very shortly um, of another track which has been written for it. It's only two minutes long, so not to worry. You should enjoy that, and I'll tell you a bit more about that in a moment. But before we get to that... Um, I think it's time to introduce the uh, the episode proper because, as you're aware, it's December. It's uh, a massive time of the year, not only just for us but for everybody. And of course, it's it's one of those amazing points in the year where you just get to sit back and reflect about all the stuff that's gone on this year. And it's been an incredible year for Infernal Symphony. We've had so many awesome things happening, whether it's been new albums coming out, new amounts of incredible awesome fans there's been so many new likes on the page we've had so many new different things that have been happening with the dungeon synth albums so we've had a change of sound we've had this podcast relaunched we've had so many awesome things happen and it's just a nice chance to just sit back and reflect on all the awesome stuff that's happened so with that in mind this my friends fans legions and hordes this is going to be an absolutely incredible bumper episode of the podcast we've got in store for you guys today because not only is it a standard edition of the podcast episode three this is also as i said earlier the christmas and new year's edition of the podcast so we're going to have twice as much content in store for you as before just a one-off just for december we're going to have a massive amazing podcast with tons of awesome features and i'm going to list through a few of those for you now so we've uh, we've we're going to show you a couple of other clips from the ep we're also going to have a little bit of a discussion or a debate about uh, Christmas, the origins of Christmas, the reason it's important, the reason people celebrate it, and the satanic version of Christmas as well. Um, we're also going to have a little bit of a philosophical and intellectual discussion about, uh, you know, because obviously I was uh, I remember from last um, month's edition of the podcast, um, I kind of was talking a little bit about the fact I do so many concept albums, and that led me to thinking, you know, in this day and age that's uh, fueled by Spotify and streaming services and downloads and all this sort of stuff, um, you know, you've obviously got a big resurgence with vinyl and everything like that, and physical in some ways is making its way back. But the actual overall musical landscape at the moment and the economic situation of many people, you know, record labels and things like that included, the incentive is less and less now for full albums and longer tracks. And it's all about, you know, there's, there's even historical data and also modern research data as well, which shows that tracks on average, especially not just in pop, but in metal and other genres as well, is getting shorter and shorter as the years go by because, you know, the incentive now for finances is for streaming and for, you know, the uh, greater quantity of plays rather than just actual purchases and physical, traditional physical sales. So, you know, that I'm going to analyse all of that and uh, that's going to be hopefully something quite interesting. We've also got loads of other things lined up including the uh, the regular features like the question of the month and there's also going to be a new monthly feature uh, debuting in this edition of the episode as well. 
Uh, plus, I'm going to announce the details of a short little competition I'm going to do and all sorts of other stuff as well. So if you want to listen to any of those and you're interested by that sort of stuff, stay tuned, guys. But for now, I'm going to play you the promised uh, second track from the new EP, which is going to be coming out in a couple of months. This track is a fantastic little ditty that I wrote um, a couple of days ago. And this track is based on what I mentioned earlier about some of the stuff regarding... Uh, you know, arguing with uh, Christians, debating uh, politicians about logic and all that sort of stuff. And this track is called Syllogism, um, so which I'll explain the title of as soon as it's over. So have a quick listen to this first, guys. This is Syllogism from the upcoming Litany of Errors EP.
So that was Syllogism, guys, from the upcoming Litany of Errors EP. And uh, that can be a brand new Christmas carol for you all, uh, with it being the Christmas season. So that was another track. I'm still working on it, guys. So uh, obviously it's not 100% done yet, but, you know, with you taking the uh, time to listen to the podcast and, uh, you know, for blessing me with your support and your confidence and your patronage, I decided that even though it's not ready yet, I wanted to let you guys have an inside first look at my process for it and uh, some of the creative stuff that I do behind the scenes with regard to recording and writing my music, um, even without it being done. And to be honest, normally I'm very, very precious of this kind of stuff. I don't usually let people listen to any of my stuff until it's 100% done, but I thought, you know, with it being Christmas, I'd make an exception in this case. And luckily, I am going to also show you one third last track from the new EP, um, not right now, that's going to be saved for a little bit later on in the podcast just to keep you guessing and keep you listening um, but hopefully that's something you're going to enjoy as well so uh, with that in mind, let's get this rolled up for now and let's go on to an entirely different topic altogether because it's about time we did and we've got so much ground to cover I can't afford to waste any time on this episode so without further ado, here we go Hello guys, so I just wanted to quickly punch in a little bit here and just add add a uh, quick little bit of info that's just hot off the presses, just had to get it out there. Um, Obviously it's an absolutely ramajammed show this month so I'm not going to take up too much time because I believe we'll probably be already pushing the two hour mark as it is. But uh, there's quite a recent and interesting development that I've just started off doing uh, which I thought I just desperately had to tell you guys about. So before we get into some of the interesting stuff we've got this month because believe me there's an absolute hell of a lot of it. But I just wanted to quickly make the announcement that after years of deliberating and uh, procrastinating on the issue Infernal Symphony has now finally at long last decided to join Twitter. Um, So I'm still kind of getting to grips with it. I haven't really finished the bio properly or anything like that. I'm still not really aware of how or even if I can actually create like a uh, dedicated um, uh, or, you know, bespoke username for it for you to easily find me there. So if I do end up doing that, I'll tell you about that in the new year. Um, But uh, it is a work in progress at the moment, but I still wanted to tell you guys about it. There's only been one or two tweets so far. But I thought it was an interesting avenue to approach because I've seen, um, you know, a few people on um, on sort of the internet and YouTube that I follow that use it. And before now, it never really actually made sense to me how it worked or what the purpose of it was. But it's beginning to make sense now. It seems like a really interesting and unique way of getting in touch with you guys on a pretty more consistent and also a lot quicker basis than I'm able to do either with sort of Facebook messages or with either this podcast or with, you know, just Facebook sort of uh, status updates as well. So... Um, so basically, if there's anything interesting going off day to day, of course the, the the best stuff is still going to be reserved for the Heathens Club anyway. Um, and this isn't to dilute the Heathens Club in any way, shape, or form at all either. But uh, but you know, if you fancy checking it out, find us out on uh, Twitter. Head to Twitter and search for Infernal Symphony or Demonic Bishop. Uh, either way, one of those two things should bring you to the page, and obviously all of our branding and logo and everything will be on there, just in case you're unsure. Um, and uh, yeah it should be interesting so give us a follow on there guys it's still early days but as we go forward there will be more and more content on there and uh, as I learn more about the platform I should be able to put more and more interesting stuff out there onto it for you so yeah so make sure to check that out guys just a quick little info and status update about that because there is a pretty interesting thing for us it's long overdue that we're on there and uh, you know obviously further to that make sure to check us out on all of our other uh, internet avenues as well 
because obviously we're now on Twitter. We've also obviously got the Bandcamp page. We do have a YouTube channel. We're on Instagram. We have our own WordPress website. And of course, we now have the podcast as well. So keep on listening, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll get on to the next part right away. Okay, so it's about time I gave you a full list of the things we're going to cover this episode. So without further ado, let's quickly run down them. So we've already had a look at some of the new tracks from the new EP, which will be out in a couple of months. Um, I'd just like to give you a little bit of a bit of feedback that I've seen um, over the past couple of months with some of the new stuff that I've come out with. I've had loads and loads of people loving Transformation and the Celestial Realm. That obviously came out in September. That was our last guitar-based album for, for some time, as some of you will know. And that's been going down incredibly. In actual fact, um, there is a review that's being created as we speak for that album by uh, uh, Rock Sounds, I believe it is. Um, and basically... That will either be uploaded right away now or it's actually in the process of being written but it's also um, very, very close to being done, uh, Little Birdies told me. So that should be up and available pretty soon to read. So there's that. Um, plus, um, it's been going down really, really well. It's become one of the highest listened albums I've ever, ever done. So that just goes to prove that, you know, we're still breaking our own records. We're still getting there, getting bigger and better every single release. So thank you ever so much for that, guys. So not only that, but... Uh, the, uh, the new album that was exclusive to Heathens Club members that I talked about last episode, um, The Grand uh, Salvation, which was uh, part two of uh, Zealots of the Nether, that has also been doing well. Um, not as many people actually have subscribed to the Heathens Club just yet, though, so if you haven't done that already and you want to listen to that album, plus tons of other exclusive content, and also obviously get a chance to own not only a lot of things from our back catalogue and discography, but also to instantly own anything new that we put out as well, head to infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com. You can listen to all of our tracks there for free anyway, apart from the exclusive ones that are only... Uh, available to Heathens Club members so click on the little tab there that will allow you to pay three to four pounds a month to subscribe to us which not only bags you all of our um, new releases that come out as soon as they come out you also get access to an exclusive Infernal Symphony fan chat area where you can speak directly to me and to other Infernal Symphony fans plus you can also view exclusive posts photos videos music and more posted specifically by me so if you like the uh, uh, the idea of this podcast you like to get closer to me you like to find out what's going on in my life well if you uh, subscribe to my bank account then you're allowed to find out even more guys you get the full curtain drawn back you know for all to see so you're able to see literally everything i do anything i do i'll post up on there there's exclusive uh, polls i put up there and questions i ask and all sorts of other ways you can get involved with the band um, and you can get obviously involved with me directly so it's incredible if you're a super fan of the band make sure you subscribe to that i don't know why you're missing out on it so yeah so we uh, we've already covered those couple of bits and pieces of things there uh, we've already had a quick look about some of the other stuff that we're going to cover so we're also going to be talking about Christmas very shortly uh, but before that I also want to uh, just quickly get the question of the month out of the way so since it's a bumper edition and it's the Christmas and New Year episode I think it's about time we had a Christmas related question so my question to you is what is my favourite part of Christmas and I'll give you a clue it's not presents. So there you go. Have a ponder about that, guys. I'll be answering that question a little bit later on. But, aha, wait. There is a second question this time around. Okay, so the second question I want you to think about as well 
is going to be coming up very, very quickly. So uh, it's looking as though this episode is uh, pretty much on par for the course to actually overrun its uh, time, which is absolutely unbelievable considering that it's a double bumper episode this month, guys. But, uh, you know, that's what we're here for, guys. It's been a really, really interesting show so far, so hopefully you agree with me on that as well, and hopefully you've enjoyed yourselves. And if you have, be sure to send in your voice messages to us at anchor.fm forward slash Inferno Symphony to tell us what your thoughts are on this episode. So hopefully you've all had a brilliant time over December, getting all your presents bought and all of them wrapped and all your Christmas cards written and putting up all your decorations and all that sort of stuff because I've definitely enjoyed it. I've just finished doing them at work and I'm about to start doing them at home as well. So speaking about home... Um, we've lived in the house that we lived in for over a year now, um, and it's basically been a really, really interesting process. We obviously lived at a few different hovels over the years. Uh, we have now been in our current place, the Infernal Dungeon, for the past 12 months. Really, really enjoyed ourselves. I do have a little basement there, which currently is cluttered, but when I originally moved in, uh, it was originally, uh, my idea with, you know, for it was to, for it to actually be a recording studio for me. Uh, but, uh, we've since discovered after having lived, lived there for 12 months, number one, we actually need the space quite severely uh, because we have a lot of crap that we want to keep hold of but we don't actually want to store in the main section of the house so that's usually in there B, it's obviously very important for if we ever have any nuclear war. Um, basements are always good places to stay if you ever have any uh, any fallout or anything to worry about. So obviously speaking about fallout, I've been playing a lot of that game lately. Fallout 4 to be precise, and that's a great game. So hopefully you guys play that. And if you do, let me know. Um, but also the third point is, uh, due to the nature of the building, it's, it's quite an old, nice terraced house. Very, very nice and modern inside, but actually underneath the basement does tend to get very, very dry and crispy. And uh, there's a lot of uh, fallout if you if you want to call it that from all the bricks and stuff there's a load of dust and everything and f- you know flecking paint and stuff so seeing as my pc is at death's door as it is it's probably not the best idea for me to put it down there and have the fans absorb all that dust as well so uh, i'm not exactly sure why i got to talking about that but nevertheless it's time for us to basically just give you a quick little additional announcement because to be honest although we're overrunning on time i don't really care at this point it's you know it's christmas we need to live a little so i'm just gonna hear uh, i'm just basically here to also let you know that uh, infernal symphony has started up a brand new form of social media um we may have already mentioned to you that currently we're obviously already on Bandcamp, facebook instagram and twitter now as well and we also have our own website as well. But there is a brand new addition to the Inferno Symphony online family. Um, and basically that is the creation of our brand new exclusive and official YouTube channel. Yes, guys, we do already have one that's been around for a while, which has basically not ever been used for anything other than a trailer promoting our second album, The Poison Chalice. Um, and I basically do not have access to that account anymore. However, I have decided to start a brand new YouTube channel because obviously the original one I also can't really use because it's tied to my old PC, which, as we all know, no longer works. However, I do have a new channel which I've created, which I've been using lately, basically to store all my favourite YouTube videos that I watch while I'm at work. So that's tied to my phone. So seeing as my phone is basically the only thing that I use to actually create content at the moment... Cut a long story short, we have a brand new Facebook um, and uh, you know YouTube channel. So basically, head to YouTube, guys. Search for Infernal Symphony TV. And that will be the brand new channel that we have, which will basically be dedicated to the sort of stuff that I traditionally would have reserved exclusively for Facebook. Uh, 
Those of you who are long-term fans will know that I used to do vlogs and various different random videos on my Facebook page. However, the situation lately has changed with me having loads of issues with Facebook um, and having restrictions applied to my account. So I've decided to diversify that content instead and equally distribute it throughout either this podcast, the Pestilence podcast, or basically the videos I used to do are now either going to be on uh, you know, the actual... Um, Heathens Club that we have, so there'll be occasional videos on there. Um, I can actually only do a few different videos on there at the moment, though, which is kind of a problem because uh, I basically need a lot more subscribers on there to be able to have the uh, you know the space freed up for me to actually upload more content video-wise on there. So there are only a few videos on the uh, Heathens Club so far, but if you want to check those out, guys, subscribe to the Heathens Club and you'll get exclusive access to those. However, for anything else, I don't really have room for either there or on the Facebook. So I kind of want to get away from the Facebook page now in terms of video content. So that's what the YouTube page is there for now, guys. So I'll basically be having all sorts of different content on there. So far, there's just a couple of quick little intro videos and some vlogs. Um, but I'm also doing an exclusive semi-episode uh, semi of the Inferno Symphony Pestilence podcast on YouTube as well. So we're going to have kind of a shortened down episode of the podcast exclusive to YouTube just to get people on YouTube encouraged to check out this podcast and vice versa. So if you guys want a bit of extra pestilence podcast um, content, if these episodes haven't been enough for you, particularly this extremely long one, that's uh, YouTube and go to infernalsymphony.tv, search for that there or Infernal TV, and you should be able to find it there. So please like, comment, share and subscribe that guys. And uh as always, if you want to help me with any content that I should put up there, give me any suggestions or thoughts, you know what to do by now. So, uh, while you're thinking about that, I mean, it's a pretty simple question this month, to be honest, because uh, to be quite frank with you, it's been incredibly busy lately, and uh, I've used up a couple of the good questions already over the past couple of months, so... Um, you never know, I might come up with a second question a bit later on, which is hopefully going to tease your brains a little bit more. Um, but while I'm uh, thinking about that, let's go into another topic. So uh, something else I wanted to talk to you guys about um, this month on the podcast. Once again, thank you very much for tuning in as always. I always appreciate every single listen. Um, I wanted to quickly go over something that I just briefly brought up a little bit earlier on. So uh, when I talked about the, the kind of climate of music um, and the music industry at the moment in terms of uh, you know things like sales and streaming and uh, record labels and targets and things like that, obviously I'm not personally involved in any of that at all really, You know, because being an independent artist, I, which is always what I will preferably always be because you know I prefer it that way I prefer to have you know control of my own creative process I like to uh, have uh, you know obviously creative control of all the aspects of the band and it's uh, it's more than that because that is important but I think something else that a lot of people tend to overlook about independent musicians is uh, you know it's a lot of uh, it's a much more personal process um you know, I think that's the reason a lot of us here listening to this presumably aren't a massive fan of pop music, and that's partially because of things like all of the horrible Christmas songs that we're all sick to death of listening to at the moment. Um, but that obviously is uh, the symptom of a bigger problem, which of course is the fact that for it to be classed as pop music and for it to appease all the shareholders and the record labels and the producers and all this sort of stuff that rely on uh, you know popular music to become popular to make enough money... Uh, obviously independent musicians and particularly metal musicians um, you know obviously haven't got to put up with or deal with any of that to a large degree but obviously of course you know all of that anyway you're intelligent people 
So, uh, so where am I getting that with this? So basically, the thing I wanted to talk about more specifically is uh, what exactly is it that uh, that kind of drives me towards creating these these longer kind of uh, arrangements and compositions and albums and concept albums? You know, what, why do I do it? What's what's my uh, my thought process there? What is the direction behind it? And to be honest, it's not really a simple answer. It's quite a complicated thing for me to kind of explain, but I'm going to try and do it as quickly and as uh, efficiently as I can. So uh, essentially, if I think back way back to the uh, the beginnings and the formation of the idea of the band in my head, you know, I just left Sickened at the end of uh, 2016. I'd already recorded a couple of uh, songs and almost a full album by that point, which, um, you know, obviously ended up uh, evolving into Unholy Persecution. And, you know, although that particularly um, wasn't a concept album in and of itself, it definitely had some very strong concept there. You know, it's it's an album... That's uh, you know about the oppression of uh, you know peasants and and things like that in in medieval society, much like uh, the more recent Zealots of the Nether album I covered um, you know just last month. Um, but it's about obviously uh, you know unholy persecution. So it's about you know the the Christians and the church in the Middle Ages, um, you know pretending they're holy and talking about all these God is good things and you know the fact that they believe they're morally superior, but in actual fact you know during the Middle Ages they were responsible for the Crusades, they were responsible for, you know, the Inquisition, they were responsible for essentially, you know, Christian people and religious people have been responsible historically throughout, you know, throughout all of the ages for, you know, the majority of the world's pain and suffering. And that is obviously a big, uh, just one example of uh, hypocrisy within the church, but it's something that I really wanted to highlight, and particularly in the medieval time, uh, you know, that is basically... Um, although the, obviously the church has existed before and since then, that was the point that they were at their highest peak of power. So that was the thing I wanted to focus on. And more to the point, you know, um, personally, I've always been interested in history and fantasy and the medieval times, you know, from playing loads of, uh, you know, medieval RPG games as a kid and uh, fantasy movies like Lord of the Rings, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the fantasy uh, sort of aspect of things and the medieval things. Uh, already in the public zeitgeist and you know it's something that I was really drawn to not only as a kid but also today as well so that's why the first album ended up uh, being revolving around that and obviously to be honest because I'd just left second I needed a, a good idea for a new band I needed something to make me stand out a bit and make me a bit unique um, and that's you know it wasn't so much done as form of you know being a gimmick for the band it was just more you know, it's a reflection of my personal taste and my personal uh, sort of preferences for things that I enjoy. So, so that was how the band started, and then obviously that quickly evolved. I'd just like to quickly also point out as a quick side note that uh, obviously my first album, uh, Unholy Persecution, is also uh, what's responsible for the title of this podcast as well because the track four of that album is, of course, called Pestilence. And uh, um, just a quick little interesting bit of trivia for you. That was actually the first song that I had written that I was truly proud of at that point. So obviously we're going back two or three years ago now and uh, out of all of the ten tracks on the album, that was my... my you know, complete and utter favourite that I'd done up to that point just because I thought it worked so well. Obviously, I think, um, you know, some of the more modern stuff I've done, some of the more recent stuff I'm actually a bit more proud of. But, um, you know, that first album um, is always going to hold a very strong, warm place in my heart just because it was the, you know, it was the epicentre of this monumental, incredible thing that's, that's, you know, just grown and evolved into its own thing now, which is obviously, of, of course, Infernal Symphony. So... 
you know, that first album's very important, but it's also the, you know, it's, it planted the seeds for everything else that kind of grew from that afterwards. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, uh, I also thought I'd just give you a quick little, just to digress even further. I just was thinking about this as I've been recording the episode and, uh, with this being a Christmas, um, edition of the podcast, you know, it's, uh, it seems to be, um, you know, if you haven't noticed that around about this point in the year, Christmas time, every year, you're in the van or the car and you're listening to the radio and, you know, Christmas Day in particular, you've always got people raving about how Christianity is amazing and how, you know, Christmas is the best day in the whole year and nothing's wrong and nobody's bad and, you know, nobody ends up having anything bad happen to them on Christmas Day and it's all bullshit, you know, there's people dying and starving homeless in the streets, there's people getting killed in religious wars every day and uh, as much as I love Christmas and I love the fact that Christmas, you know, is is... A, a respite from all of the trials and tribulations and horrors of day-to-day life. You know, it's uh, it's definitely a different story than the one painted by uh, by people who are religious. So just thought I wanted to get that little rant out of the way. But nevertheless, let's uh, return to eventually kind of circle back to the point of this whole conversation. Um, and uh, yeah, so that first album was what caused the, uh, the the creative spark to kind of spiral out into what it is now. Um, and to be honest, the first proper concept album I did in in my eyes really was the uh, the fourth album, Carnival of Chaos, um, because um, I wouldn't say it's a concept album in a traditional sense again, but it was certainly swaying more towards that way than any of the previous albums had done. And I suppose you could also argue that the third album, Psychopathic Remains, was as well. But I would argue that those albums are more more about um, songs that are, that have been written and you know the themes certainly correlate with each other and they definitely go well together. So, for example, track, uh, sorry, album three, Psychopathic Remains. You know that was um, an album basically revolving around serial killers, and um, all of the tracks on there relate to that in some way. They all, you know, um, piece together. Um, you know, a, a whole album that's got loads of different facets of that, um, and uh, but and obviously the album is greater than the sum of its parts uh, because of that. But it's not necessarily a concept album, so I suppose I should probably define what I mean by concept album. So traditionally, my view of a concept album has always been not only just the concept albums of prog rock bands of the 70s like King Crimson in the Court of the Crimson King and you know Dark Side of the Moon and all the classical examples like that but of course there's loads of modern examples as well um, and they're still coming out to this day they're obviously uh, they're never going to become mainstream and they're never something that's you know always in the public eye but uh, you know even to this day there's plenty of bands coming out with good concept albums it's just that they end up flying under the radar so just to give you a bit of a background and a bit of an idea of some of the concept albums that I've personally enjoyed and that influenced my sort of musical evolution, uh, just a few off the top of my head that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, um, oh, Nostradamus by uh, Judas Priest was a good one. That was their first double album. Um, I actually really liked Visions by Stratovarius. Now, not many people know I'm a Stratovarius fan. And uh, to be honest, I think a lot of people sort of just write them off as a little bit of a, a gay, high-pitched power metal band. But I happen to really, really like them because the technicality and the songwriting and the classical themes and the lyrics and, you know, just the overall vibe and positive energy of the music of Stratovarius pushes my buttons really well. And despite everything I say on the podcast and everything I write about with my own music, um, you know, personally, 
in general, I am actually quite a positive person. I have quite a positive outlook on life. Um, and that's exactly why I'm so angry and, you know, I'm so passionate about things such as the hypocrisy and the injustice within the church and society and politics, because those kinds of things are what drag life down for me. You know, if I was just left to my own devices, if I was, uh, you know, if, if I existed in a vacuum and in a bubble, I'd be the happiest man on earth. But it's because of this world that we live in and some of the shit that goes on in it. That's what drags me down. That's what keeps me awake at night. And that's what ends up making me, you know, so angry and so passionate about this sort of stuff to the point where I need to, I actually physically need to create music about it. So we've gone on so many wild tangents. I'm starting to forget exactly where I was going with this. But, uh, but yeah, essentially, they're just a couple of albums. But obviously, there's been others as well, um, which were obviously a little bit more mainstream and, uh, you know, ended up doing pretty well. So, for example, you've got the the Book of Souls by Iron Maiden. That's a great. Uh, it's well, it's a double album. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a concept album. Uh, but obviously, there's others as well, like Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence by Dream Theater. Um, that's a double album that was basically created to catalogue loads of different mental health disorders, which was obviously a very positive message, and I really, really applaud them for that. Uh, no one actually knows this yet, and so this is a, a first fact reveal. Um, ever no one else has ever heard of or or known this about the album before but the uh, first album i i launched this year suicide misanthropy that is also uh my tribute to that album because um that is also an album where each song um is basically uh sort of reflective of a certain mental disorder you know and there's there's all sorts of other concept albums i could refer to that that i've personally really enjoyed and, and that have personally really had a big lasting impact on me um, as a, a creative musician um, so uh, basically just to kind of just cut to the chase a little bit and just circle this back around to what I was actually wanting to get on to talk about um, I obviously create a load of different concept albums and I've got designs on making a lot more in the future as well um, and uh, my, the thing I wanted to really analyse with all of this basically was um, you know how exactly do people still strive to create concept albums? Why do people still do it? Because, you know, all of the, the, the facts and the data shows that they're not particularly good economically to, to go for. And, uh, you know, there's not many people um, in the grand scheme of things that enjoy listening to them compared to just, you know, say sort of uh, two or three minute long uh, metal music or, or, you know, tracks that you can just quickly stream and shuffle through on Spotify. You know, so what's the incentive for, for people as, uh, you know, consumers to listen to concept albums and what's the, the purpose of them from an artist's uh, perspective? So I think I've got a couple of good answers for these questions, really. So, you know, I can speak personally as a fan of music and a fan of concept albums in general that I really get very passionate about them um, and enjoy listening to them because it's something a bit more, you know, it's 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 not only is it progressive, but it's 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 trying to reach for, for more than we already have, for something better than we already have. You know, I'm not usually content to just sit back and listen to music just for the sake of listening to music, um, you, know, for, while, you know, or in the background while I'm doing something else. Um, I actually enjoy it as a hobby to sit down and, you know, you know surround myself and uh, with the music and, and, you know, actually get deep into it and get involved in it, you know. That's why I love vinyl so much. You know, it's an experience. It, it it forces you to take music seriously. You know, sit down, listen to the music, 
uh, nothing else to do, you know, especially if you listen to a record, you have to actually get up every 20 minutes and flip the record over. You know, you have to completely and utterly absorb yourself in it. So that's the part of music, other than creating it, that I enjoy the most. And, uh, you know, when it comes to a concept album, the, you know, that aspect of it is heightened because not only are you involved in it and absorbed in it to begin with, but rather than just being, you know, uh, cheap uh, little bits of uh, music just to to listen to, you know, it's, it's actually a full absorbing experience. You know, you've got really fantastic artwork usually. You know, you've got an incredibly gripping uh, story or concept to wrap your head around while listening to the music. And when everything interweaves with one another, the lyrics, the compositions, uh, the arrangements of it, the, the theme, uh, the artwork... Um, the story, when all of those different components all come together to create something that's, you know, remarkable, it just heightens every single aspect of it and makes it that much better. Um, that's why, you know, I'd happily sit down and, uh, you know, listen to a Dream Theatre album or something like that, rather than just stick on the latest, you know, bloody, uh, you know, Animals as Leaders album. Because as much as I like them, you know, they don't seem to, as far as I can tell, have that many good uh you know specifically concept albums and I, that was an example i plucked out of thin air i could well be wrong in that that was just the first name that came to mind so apologies to any animals as leaders fans that are listening to this that think i've wronged them i haven't um i'm, I'm probably going to go back and edit this out to be honest because i'm not entirely sure whether they're concept albums or not um but um besides all of that you know concept albums are the way forward for me um, and that's why I like to write a lot of them, um, because I like having a strong concept, a strong theme, I like having all of the songs interweave with one another, and uh, I like all of the pieces to form a bigger whole, and that's exactly why I liked the latest Tool album, because that is an, an album where you sit down, you listen to it front to back with no breaks in between, you don't shuffle through it, you know, you have to listen to the whole thing to get the full experience, multiple listens reward you with greater rewards, and it just makes the whole thing a hell of a lot better. And particularly, obviously, if we're talking about Tool, then, you know, Lateralis is the go-to, obviously, because, you know, the amount of concepts in that album is just absolutely bonkers. So, uh, so yeah, so um, concept albums are the sort of thing that I personally really like. Um, Carnival of Chaos was my fourth album. That was the first sort of tentative steps that I personally took towards creating one. Um, because um, if you're unfamiliar with the theme of that album, that is an album, the, the point of the title Carnival of Chaos basically refers to life. So, you know, that's the way I view life. Life is a series of, you know, uh, complicated, uh, it's a comedy of errors, basically. You know, life is a, a series of things we step through. None of it makes sense. None of it relates to one another. It's just a series of random um, events. And uh, trying to navigate your way through that is very, very chaotic. And that's where the title Carnival of Chaos comes from. The actual story and the theme behind that album, I've not really made it completely clear. And obviously it's difficult to do so with me not having any vocals attached to the music as well. But the story I had in mind while creating that album was it was a, the entire encapsulation of somebody's life, um, you know, front to back. So, you know, the very first track on the album... Um, you know, Virus Vortex or Violent Vortex, I can't remember which I called it now. That's basically, you know, like all of the little cells and things, the organisms of the, the, the person that's being created within the womb of somebody, all forming together and creating something as complex as a human being. Uh, you know, and it's basically the, the, the concept of the album is to, to follow somebody from the point of their conception all the way up to the point of their death. Um, so every track on the album. Um, of Carnival of Chaos covers 
a segment of that person's life. So, uh, you know, you've got a section to do with, um, you know, um, being conceived. There's also a section of them growing up as a baby and as a toddler, learning more about the world. There's a, a section where, as a kid, they actually get abused by a priest, which is uh, obviously the Preacher of Habit song, one of our most famous songs. Um, and then obviously that leads to them growing up to be a very, very hateful teenager and young person. Into their 20s and 30s, you get towards the end of the album. Um, and then obviously right at the end, they reach their 40s or their 50s after having seen all the shit that life throws at them and despised every minute of it. And then uh, as they get into old age, um, the last couple of tracks on the album... Um, so obviously the, the last track, for example, Graveyard of the Underworld, is basically when the titular character you know, basically meets their demise and they're sat laying up in a hospital bed, you know, they're regretting how shit their life's been and then uh, just before the brink of death they have a sudden spark of realisation while they're in a bit of a, uh, you know, um, a kind of coma and they, you know, essentially realise that there has been a lot of good things in life, they've just been blind to them um, and then they kind of get that spark, that moment of realisation where everything makes sense, you know, the meaning of life is apparent to them and then just as they reach that that you know that moment of clarity they die and flatline and that's basically the concept of that album i've probably not very you know explained it very well um uh so but it is a hard thing to explain um but if you look on the bandcamp page infernalsymphonyuk.bandcamp.com and head to the album it's been out for um for over a year now but i i think i probably did a better job of explaining it on the the description of that album so if none of that made sense to you i do apologize but head to the uh the Bandcamp page and give that a read because that'll explain that a bit more. But moving on from that altogether, you know, album five is one of my favourite albums I've ever done, Tapestry of Torment. And that is what I would uh, define as my ultimate and first concept album. So that is a, a concept album in the truest form of the word that I would kind of describe. So, you know, my idea of a concept album is something that's got very, very long tracks. Um, all of the tracks interweave with one another. And each song of the album uh, flowed into each other to create and tell a story. So, uh, you know, on that particular album, although it was over two hours in length, there wasn't a single song that I could cut from it. Basically because each uh, individual song of the album was completely necessary in order to tell the story in the way that I wanted to. Um, so, uh, you know, those are more than just songs on the album. Each song is... If you imagine the, the album as a book, each of those songs is like a chapter of the book, essentially. So there was 20 chapters altogether. I did get rid of one um, because, uh, basically, I wanted to make sure if I ever did a physical release of the album in, in the future at any point, uh, I had to make sure it fit on two discs um, and it wouldn't have done with that additional song. So I did get rid of that one. And to be honest, story-wise, it wasn't completely necessary anyway. So the 19 tracks that are part of that album are all completely 100% necessary to, you know, the the concept of that album that I wanted to express. Um, so I'm not going to also go through the, the story of that album with you as well, because we'll be here all day. But if you're interested in that album as well, that I believe is an even better example of a concept album than Carnival of Chaos was. And um, I'm extremely proud of that. And that's the sort of album that to me um, is, you know, holds up to some of the other concept albums that I enjoyed, um, that I've listened to. And it was my my version of that kind of thing. So, you know, if I had to pick one album out of my discography and hold it up and say, this is a dictionary definition of a concept album, then Tapestry of Torment 
would be that album. Uh, so, you know, I've talked a little bit now about some of my favourite concept albums from other artists, and I've also talked about a couple of examples from my own discography as well. So now we're going to get into the sort of nitty-gritty as to why anyone should bother listening to them or why anyone should bother recording them. So if uh, so if the last 15 to 20 minutes of me rambling about this topic have, have kind of taught you anything or should have taught you anything, then hopefully it's the fact that uh, concept albums, especially in today's modern musical landscape, are somewhat of an anomaly. Um, but then, to be honest, also certain listeners are as well. So, you know, I'm not a typical music fan. You know, a lot of music fans end up just listening to music they enjoy, um, just for, you know, just, just as something kind of, you know, cheap and easy to do, don't really pay it too much attention, um, particularly when it comes to, like, the pop world and things like that. Whereas, particularly heavy metal uh, musicians and fans, obviously, as we all know, are a hell of a lot more passionate about their music. And it's that kind of passion which is what concept albums speak towards. Um, you know, there's nothing better than having your favourite band release an album that you can absorb yourself in, you know, spend a good one to two hours listening to it at a time, and come back to it again and again and again, you know, discovering new things about it each time, um, and that's that's the beauty of them. So, unfortunately, for whatever reason in this society, that kind of thing isn't necessarily valued or financially viable, which is a damn shame if you ask me. Um, but people obviously still continue to make them, and I think the uh, the answer to that sort of question that I propose is the fact that, you know, creative people r- will do things regardless of whether it's going to make them uh, money or not you know there are some some visionaries out there some geniuses some creatives that do things not for financial gain or you know for the sake of uh, you know saying they've done it but purely do it for for the, the you know the enjoyment that comes from it and the fulfillment creatively that they've accomplished something um, to that degree because not everyone can do you know um, not every musician's got the capability to be able to to write something that complex or to have that much ambition to try and even try and attempt something like that, which is why I think you don't really tend to find that many, particularly you know people in my position, a lot of unsigned or independent artists don't usually tend to go for that kind of thing. It's usually historically it's been bands that have had you know a very very big worldwide audience and a lot of financial backing by record labels that have uh, you know that have kind of really been in a privileged position to have enough fans and enough time, enough resources and enough money to try and tackle something like that, which is why you see in some of these really old bands like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden do concept albums now because, you know, they've got that sort of, uh, you know, that kind of comfort blanket, that, that safety net now where they're in a position where they can do that because it is a big creative risk and it doesn't always pay off. Um, you know, you might have heard Avenged Sevenfold a couple of years back. I'm not a fan of theirs in any way, shape or form, but I have to give them credit and I have to commend them artistically for attempting, you know, to do something a little bit different a couple of years back with their album The Stage. Now, uh, that is, um, I wouldn't say it's a complete concept album, but it was their best attempt at something like that and I, I kind of enjoyed the album. It's about the only album of theirs I've actually liked listening to. Um, and that didn't really go very well for them, partially because they released it in a very unusual way. They just announced it and released it the same day with no marketing build-up whatsoever, which is completely more or less unheard of in this day and age. And uh, you know, and it, it didn't really pay off for them. Um, it was a bit different to what their audience was used to. It was more of a creative sort of expression, and it was, um, you know, it was a kind of thing where they didn't give as much of a fuck about sales and about singles. 
they just wanted to make something that they artistically would be proud of um so uh so yeah it doesn't always work and i think that's possibly one reason why not every band does them um but i really think you should care about them i think they're a great thing um you know because you know especially as music gets more involved and streaming becomes bigger and you know society in general becomes more fast paced with social media and everything and people have got less attention to pay to things you know making something like a concept album that demands your attention and demands a lot of your time and requires repeated listens to get the best out of it you know that is uh you know a little bit of a rebellious thing to do now you know that is that is putting your stake in the ground and saying i don't give a fuck about modern standards i don't care about you know what music is perceived to be or what it, people think it should be i'm going to do what i want to do because i enjoy doing it and to me that sums up top to bottom what infernal symphony has always been about and will always stand for So I just wanted to add a quick little announcement here, guys, in the middle of the podcast. And it's essentially to say that I have uh, come to a decision and I've decided that the Grand Salvation from last month is now going to be completely available to everyone, including people not part of the Heathens Club. Because I just decided it's just too good of an album not to share with my entire fan base. And probably that's going to... you know, get me in a little bit of uh, trouble with regards to people who are subscribed already. But you know what? I think it's about time that uh, people listen to this album because it's fantastic. It's just too good to, to be kept under wraps. So, you know, you guys can listen to it. It'll be up on the Bandcamp probably before this episode comes out. But I just thought I'd let you know about my thought process about that. So, uh, the second question for this month's edition of the podcast is, and uh, to be honest, if you guys have been listening and paying attention and listening along to the last couple of months of uh, of episodes since we relaunched the podcast, you, um, chances are some of you are already going to know the answer to this question. But uh, for those of you that don't, the uh, second question of this bumper edition of the podcast is, which Christmas carol was the first song that Demonic Bishop I ever played? All right. Have a think about that, guys, and hope you enjoy the next segment. All right, then. So, uh, so now that that's all out of the way and out in the open, and we've somehow managed to not only melt your brains with some music and also uh, with such a uh, topical but intelligent and also, uh, you know, very, very uh, technical discussion there, I think it's about time we move into a little bit more light-hearted stuff because this is the Christmas and New Year edition of the podcast, after all. So, speaking of which... Um, I think it's about time to go into exactly what Christmas means to metalheads and to Satanists such as myself, LeVayan Satanists. But before we do that, just one quick little bit of uh, intellectualism we need to get through first. So uh, so you may have remembered earlier, um, the second track from the new EP that I debuted on the podcast earlier on was called Syllogism, um, that second track that I debuted. So I did actually mention at that point that I was going to explain exactly what that is, and it's just come to my attention that I haven't managed to do that yet. So, um, so yeah, so that song, um, I'm still writing it, but it's it's basically uh, evolving around the concept of a syllogism, and a syllogism in logical terms is basically it's um, the definition of it is um, it's a form of induction or deductive reasoning. So, in other words, 
it's a way, like a scientific method almost, it's like an explanation of a couple of different logical concepts to try and form some conclusions. So one of the most, uh, I mean this is an example of one not working properly, but this is one of the sort of the most often repeated um, examples of a syllogism. So this is a, a, an example of one. So I could say um, all animals have four legs, all dogs are animals, therefore all dogs have four legs. So that's an example of the, the structure of a syllogism, but as you've seen, even just from that example, um, you know, it doesn't always necessarily mean that c the conclusion is correct, even if the first two premises of the conclusion are correct. And the reason I've written a song about this is because that is the perfect example to explain why things aren't always as simple as they might first appear. You know, just because you've got two things that make sense, it doesn't always mean that you can draw conclusions from that. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people, not only when they're discussing uh, God or religion, tend to forget it's also something that we all as individuals should pay attention to um, and we shouldn't always assume that just because we have an opinion um, that that opinion is necessarily correct so that's something that, that I really wanted to get out there and that's the sort of uh, thinking and concepts that's going to be behind this new EP but that's the last you'll hear about of this EP on this podcast and just before we go I'm going to play the, uh, the third track uh, sample from that it's going to be the last bit that I play uh, for this year uh, for this podcast and for this uh, EP because I think we've had enough of that for one episode and also as I said earlier I don't want to overplay it for you um, and to be fair we've still got uh, plenty of time well we haven't really we've only got about an hour left of the show so I want to dedicate that to other topics instead of going over the same ones over and over again um, but I still wanted to get that little bit out of the way because I think a lot of um, listeners to this podcast, although you're quite intelligent, I think sometimes there's certain things that not all of us grasp or not all of us are aware of. So, you know, as well as provide you with amazing music and with uh, two and a half hours worth of entertainment each month, I don't want to just be here just for entertainment. I also want to try and make you think and learn and, and things like that as well. So without further ado, here is the third track of the upcoming EP, um, and it's called Elias.
So there we go guys, that was another track from the upcoming EP. I'm not going to repeat the name of it again because it's just going to feel as though I'm just trying to sell stuff to you and that's not the purpose of this podcast. Um, but it is quite a tradition of Inferno Symphony now, um, or it has formed into a tradition at least, for us to release an EP at the start of the new year. Because I think it's, for me personally, it's always a good way of sort of getting back into the swing of things. Because obviously, as I said, over Christmas and New Year, there is a bit of a lull period for me creatively where I have a lot of stuff going off at work and at home, trying to buy Christmas presents, trying to meet up with uh, friends and family I haven't seen in a while. And it's just a nice chance just to sit back and take a break from all of the creative things. Uh, Because obviously, as you know, with me running this entire operation by myself, it can get a bit stressful occasionally, uh, especially when you've got albums and song titles and EPs and Bandcamp descriptions to write and podcasts to make and artwork to create and all this sort of stuff I'm trying to do all at once, all the time. So it is nice to give myself a couple of months off here and there, and uh, this is the 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 best form of the uh, the best part of the year for me to do that in. So. That's why um, I'm still going to be creating stuff for now, but I'm going to kind of give it a break for the next month or two. And uh, I'm thinking the EP probably might come out in January or February, um, and then uh, we'll see where we go from there. But as I said a few times already, I've got quite a few projects lined up for the 2020, and I've actually got... I'm going to reveal another little surprising secret for you guys. I've actually got six albums I'm working on all at the same time at the moment. Yes, six albums all together, not including the couple that have just come out. I've got even more albums and content coming up for next year, more than ever before. So, uh, yeah, so a couple of them will be coming out at the start of the year. I'm going to try and pace myself and kind of, you know, have them come out every couple of months to keep you with something fresh, something exciting and something new to listen to. Um, And you might be wondering how I managed to do this as an independent artist with no money because not even the big bands with plenty of money and plenty of time are doing that these days. And that's exactly why uh, I do it because I, you know, I like being different. I like to set myself out from the pack. I don't like to do things by the book, as I'm sure any proper fans of the band are already going to be aware. The entire point of Infernal Symphony, the reason I started this, is not only because I needed the band and not only because I needed something to do, but it's because... I have a genuine dislike for the current state of the music industry and the way it operates and the way traditional bands seem to work these days. I don't like having to wait two years for an album or 12 years or 13 years for an album. I don't like, you know, being made to wait for something that's just a repeat of what I've already listened to. I like to do things differently every time. I like to challenge the status quo. I like to be unorthodox, be original, and that's exactly what I'm doing And that's what I've done since the start, and that's what I'm going to continue to do. So that's why there's so many albums coming up. So, those eagle-eyed listeners among you who may have heard me mention uh, having guests on the show over the past couple of episodes, don't worry, don't fear, I haven't forgotten about you, and I'm not going to neglect you. And uh, don't worry, I am working on it, but... um, As you might have guessed from what I just said, um, given all of the work and stuff that I've got going on um, towards the end of the year, same as I do every year, um, I am actually, I'm going to be honest, I'm actually recording this episode ahead of time. So uh, although I haven't actually had any discussions or recorded anything or had anything sent in by any uh, sort of viewers or any um, sort of guests I want to feature on the show as of yet, I am currently behind the scenes in the process of working on those as we speak so they may or may not come in in time for the the, for this episode to premiere but if that isn't the case i will always save them and they'll be on one of the future editions of the show so i'm actually working on a couple of guests and i've got a few lined up already just to give you a teaser of that just so that you know i'm not just blowing smoke up your ass 
Um, one of the people I was going to have on the show is a good friend of mine from the US of A, and he's a, a, a beautiful, brilliant chap called Trustin Lucius. Um, I'm not going to go into too, detail, uh, too much detail about who he is, because I'd rather save that for him to do in person himself with his own words. But he's a great guy, he's a brilliant musician, he's also an ethnomusicologist um, in the US, and he writes his own material, he plays guitar, he's also a vocalist as well. He's a multi-talented, incredible guy, and I happen to be really, really good friends with him. And he's always been an incredibly good supporter of Infernal Symphony since day one. So I'd like to extend a massive thank you to Trustin. I hope everything's going on in your life brilliantly, dude. You, you've always provided me with so much support and inspiration. And uh, although I haven't been the best friend all the time, you know, sometimes I go months without replying to you or something like that. You know, I've always appreciated your support and uh, you're the sort of model Infernal Symphony fan that I hope to have with every fan of mine. And luckily that does seem to be the case. So I'm hoping to have an incredibly massively good discussion with him at some point. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on in the US at the moment, as we all know, because one isn't there. And um, he's particularly passionate about a couple of subjects, which I'm hoping to have him onto the, the podcast to discuss with me at some point. So whether that takes the form of a live discussion, which could prove difficult, if I'm honest, given the... Uh, time difference or whether we pre-record something and I feature that on the show instead either way I'm massively excited to have him join the crew and hopefully that will be happening in the next couple of months so uh, so yeah more updates on that guys as it happens but uh, instead we're going to move on to another topic of discussion um, because I don't quite think you've had your heads rattled quite enough with this podcast yet so the next thing I wanted to talk about was Haters. Yes, I know it's been done to death on the uh, the blogosphere, on YouTube and on the internet. But of course, any creative endeavour has haters. And I suppose a lot of the people listening to this, chances are some of you are musicians yourselves. And I'm sure you've had your fair share of hate as well. But, uh, and this isn't me, you know, complaining or, you know, trying to get out of something that I've created, you know, for myself. Because, you know, I've made a bed, I've laid in it. Infernal Symphony, but at its very core... And its you know core concepts are literally designed to ruffle feathers and piss people off because there's a lot of Christian people that hate us, and there's obviously a lot of people who don't really get or don't really understand why we do things the way we do, and that's part of the reason this podcast is here, so I can explain my motivations and my reasoning and the concepts behind the band and the reason it operates in the way it does um, because there are very good reasons for it, but some people just don't get it. Some people think I'm just a uh, pretentious little douchebag. Uh, a couple of people think I'm just outrageous for the sake of it. There are a few people who tend to believe, A, either whatever they decide they want to believe, regardless of whether it has merit or not. And there are also people who just believe anything they read on the internet and take it at face value and don't look into it any deeper than that. So um, I'm not so much going to go into any kind of rumour squashing or anything like that regarding myself, but what I am going to say is, uh, you know, sometimes hate is deserved and sometimes it isn't. And I happen to think that in my case, a lot of it isn't really warranted. Because, um, like, for, say, for example, whenever I'm trying to promote certain albums or certain things going on within the band, um, the main method I have of doing that, given that I don't really have much of a YouTube presence and uh, I don't really have the time for Instagram anymore because it wasn't really very viable. So the primary method that I have as a um, extremely uh, cash-strapped, independent artist of a extremely avant-garde um intrinsically uh you know very very obscure extreme heavy metal band that's instrumental as well you know my primary method of promotion is through facebook groups and through uh, sharing posts on facebook um 
And, uh, you know, sometimes doing adverts on there as well, but to be honest, the success of those is a little bit suspect, really. They don't really seem to make much difference. So the main method I have of getting the word out there that things are coming out and, uh, you know, that I'm doing things is through the Facebook page, which I'm sure a lot of you have, have known about. So I do occasionally send out messages via the Bandcamp app as well and obviously through the Heathens Club and obviously now through this uh, podcast as well. But they're basically all alternative efforts to try and spread the word of Infernal Symphony as best I possibly can, as cheaply as possible. Um, so, you know, it's that that's the way it is, you know, take it or leave it. That's that's kind of what I'm faced with. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, don't, I don't mind taking responsibility for that whatsoever. You know, I am obviously a one-man band. That was the decision when I went into this. And, you know, these sorts of situations are to be expected. So I'm not so much, you know, having a rant about that or complaining as such. But it is a bit strange when... You know, you you go to, uh, you know, band promotion pages or groups that are designed to help people promote the page or to discuss types of music they enjoy. And then occasionally, not very often, 99% of people are completely fine with it and very supportive. But you do always get the odd person who's a bit of a negative Nancy and just decides to just try and rain on the parade and try and say shit about you. So, like, say, for example, I'll be posting a, a post about a new album that I've had coming out. Sometimes people will slate it. Sometimes people will kind of you know, write me off as a joke band or a trolling band or not very serious. And to be honest, a lot of it doesn't really get to me, uh, despite of what I'm saying, because I know that personally that couldn't be any far from the truth. You know, this is a very serious kind of endeavour that I'm taking here. Yes, I do think do things a little bit differently to most people. And as I said earlier, there are just some folks out there who just won't ever be able to wrap their head around that. And does that make me a bit pretentious? Possibly. Um, you know, but you know, the way I see it, if you don't think of yourself in the way I do, and you don't try and push yourself and promote yourself and try and break new ground, then, you know, why even bother doing any of this in the first place? You know, this is the whole point of Infernal Symphony. It's to try and shake the status quo. I'm here to try and ruffle feathers and try and make a bit of a difference and make a bit of a change, not only to the music world, but also to society in general. And maybe that's a bit of a big, bold claim to be making, given the fact that I'm a nobody with no music, um, you know, that anyone's ever heard of, or with no money to splash around trying to advertise it or anything. But, you know, I'm, I'm a very small dog in a very big, uh, you know, kennel. So it's one of those things where I just have to try and do the best I can, and, um, you know, hopefully everything goes well. So yeah, so that is something that I have noticed um, quite a lot of the time, to be honest. You know, it's, regardless of whether you're talking about music or about anything else in life, essentially, you know, if you're a disruptive force, then uh, you know you are going to attract hate, whether you want to or not. And to be honest, a lot of the time, I actually take that as a sign that not only am I doing something right, but I'm also being successful at it as well, because you know. It's, there's an old wrestling saying, you know, if people love it or hate it, that's great. It doesn't matter. The hate doesn't matter. It's when people are indifferent, that's the true killer. Um, so at least, I suppose, in some sense, you know, at least the fact that people are maybe getting a bit enraged about the way I do things or maybe don't quite understand it and they're kicking up a little bit of a fuss about it, then, you know, maybe that's all for the best. Maybe that means that, at the very least, you know, I'm, you know people are starting to take notice. So... That's probably quite a good thing, really. Um, but even so, you know, there's not really any need for it, is there? You know, you talk about all the, the stuff about internet anonymity and people thinking they can get away with murder and talk about anything and be things that they would never really be in, in real life just because they're a keyboard warrior behind, 
you know, a computer and they think they can say what they like. And to be honest, I'm just going to leave them to it. You know, people think what they want to think. It doesn't particularly bother me. I just thought I'd have, you know, a little bit of a chat about it and just see what you guys think. So if any of you have experienced any hate of this sort of kind, whether it's towards your music or artistic endeavours or just, you know, yourself as a person, then please send me a voice message through the Anchor website and let me know what's been going on. Uh, because the whole reason I talk about this is because very recently I was speaking to my girlfriend, literally last night actually, and uh, she basically, she was telling me about the fact that she's always wanted to write music um, because she plays ukulele, she you knows she writes, she's a decent singer, but nobody really ever hears her play music and she, she's kind of gotten out of the habit of, in fact she, she doesn't really have any incentive to want to even write music anymore because she says she's, she's too scared of any negative you know, reception to any of it. Um, which is heartbreaking, to be honest, because she's so talented and so good. And I remember feeling that way once as well. And there's there's nothing, if, if you let it get to you, there's nothing worse to try and crush a creative spirit than listening to you know, negative feedback, especially if it's not warranted. So, yeah, this is an important topic, topic guys. I think I'm going to have to go into it in a bit more detail on a future episode of the podcast when I've got a little bit more time spare, because we are sort of, sort, you know, sort of getting towards the end of the show this month, we've still got about another 30 or 40 minutes, but I still have a lot of stuff I want to get to before the end of the second hour. So we'll save this for another another month, guys. But in the meanwhile, send me all your feedback about that, because obviously I'd love to feature that on a future episode of the show. So, you know, think about that, send me some stuff in, and we'll move on to the next topic. Alright then guys, so uh, in what is a last minute addition to the podcast, uh, this is a brand new segment which may recur monthly, it may not, but essentially I've just had a bit of a brainwave and uh, decided to throw a little extra something into the podcast for you on the spur of the moment, so so here it is, so um, obviously we've got the monthly uh, question of the month, this is going to be another recurring segment hopefully, um, if it catches on, and it's basically, I haven't got a name for it yet, but it's basically a section where with me being a Bandcamp musician, occasionally I do check out other Bandcamp artists. That, uh, and to be honest, there's that much music on Bandcamp, it's absolutely impossible to have seen everything on there. There's new stuff coming out all the time. So it should be quite a good opportunity to sort of not only highlight some other, you know, really good creative or original artists that, that I've recently become aware of that I'm quite, you know, quite amazed by. But it's also, it's a good way of giving back to the community and it's also just a good way of you checking out other bands as well and discovering other music rather than me just promoting my own stuff all the time. So it might also be a, you know, a nice chance to, for me to also kind of promote some of my other fellow musicians that I'm friends with or other projects that I'm involved with. But, uh, but uh, here we go. So this is, what should we call it, guys? Uh, if you've got any ideas uh, for the name for this section, then please send them in. Um... But it's essentially going to be a Bandcamp, uh, what should we call it? Bandcamp exposure time. That's what we'll call it for now, even though that sounds like a, a kid's program. But um, So there's actually two bands that I just wanted to briefly talk about today, because I've just discovered them this morning, morning uh, during my weekly dump. Um, and basically, um, one of them is a dungeon synth band, and the other is sort of like a cybercore band if that makes sense i'll get to it later i'll explain shortly but essentially uh the first band is called block wizard 
and uh, I don't know how long they've been around for. I don't believe they've got much material on Bandcamp. Um, as far as I could tell, the only thing I could see on there was um, the, the initial sort of tape demo, which you can actually download as well. Um, but the, the name of the band is Block Wizard, and uh, the name of the album, if I can remember it, is uh, Legend of the Block Wizard, I believe. So it's basically a four or five track um, cassette EP. It's all dungeon synth, but unlike your traditional dungeon synth, where you have all the really, as I mentioned earlier, really sort of dark, depressing, moody, ominous, sort of uh, organ type music and, you know, kind of, you know, dungeoneering video game sort of stuff, but quite oppressive and quite depressing. This is more, uh, slightly more uplifting and it's got a little bit of a strange quite a nice warm kind of synth tone um, almost like a warbling or like a more modern uh, sort of like you know dance kind of tone to the actual uh, synths which was I thought was quite unique um, and the, the songs themselves are fairly minimalist they're fairly short as well I think the entire EP is only around about 10 minutes in length but it's a nice quick little snippet of music that might be quite interesting to get yourselves into and I haven't even mentioned the gimmick yet and basically the gimmick of Block Wizard, as you might have guessed, is the idea behind the music is it's essentially uh, dungeon music which has been created by a Lego wizard. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, it's making me laugh just thinking about it now. So go on guys, you need to go and check that out. I'm just going to try and uh, find out the Bandcamp page for you because I've actually forgotten what it is. But uh, that was really interesting. Um, the other band I thought I'd mention, which I also discovered first thing this morning, is a different band. This is a UK band um, from York. I think it's just one lone guy. And uh, he's been doing music since about 2013, believe it or not. Um, and basically, the name of the band, you're not going to get, you, you know, you're not going to absolutely understand this at all. The name of the band is Petrol Hoers. <laughs> and essentially, the whole point of this band is. It's electrocore, which in other words is a mix of industrial, really heavy metal, uh, screamo, uh, and uh, dubstep, and uh, you know, kind of dance and trap and all that sort of stuff. So it is. It sounds like a completely wacky combination, and I promise you, it really, really is. And the gimmick with this one is, it's all about horses and about sexual stuff. So <laughs> if any of that interests you, any northern scum up there. Uh, like the idea of listening to this, I'm sure you've probably heard of them already. But I, it was, you know, it's a new one on me today. I only saw it because of a Facebook advert this morning. So make sure you check out both of those bands. I'm just going to quickly uh, do a little bit of off-air um, googling to double-check those Bandcamp pages for you, so you can uh, reach those. And uh, yeah, that was it. Just a quick little four or five minutes. I just wanted to inject a bit of fun into here because it has been some quite depressing topics today. So I'm just going to come back in a second with those links. And then we'll move on swiftly to the next topic. So, uh, yeah, as you'd expect, guys, just a quick little note about the Bandcamp pages for those. It is literally, for both of those bands, the name of the band, .bandcamp.com. So, because uh, I know occasionally certain bands have very weird or obscure titles to get to their Bandcamp pages. So, yep, so if you want to access any of those two bands, unfortunately, I'm not going to play any of their music on here just because of copyright and things like that. Um... But if you search for blockwizard.bandcamp.com or petrolhoers, that's H-O-E-R-S.bandcamp.com, you'll be able to check out those two insane, crazy bands. And to be honest, you might actually like them, but, you know, I thought I'd give you something a little bit funny and cool, with it being Christmas, so, you know, something a bit different to usual. But anyway, we're going to move into the next topic in just a second, which, uh, to be honest with you, 
I think is either going to involve Christmas or New Year, or basically some of my uh, plans for the forthcoming year at any rate. So uh, stay tuned, guys. Before we do that, though, I've just decided to do something else for you really quickly. Since it seems like it's been a hell of a long while in between us playing different tracks on the show this month, I think it's about time I played you another track as well. So this slightly older track, um, well, old by my standards anyway, so this is a track that I don't think has been showcased on the podcast so far. And it's a track that I thought was particularly apt given the Christmas period. Based on the fact that, uh, you know, it basically is it's sort of not really Christmassy whatsoever. But, you know, it's basically the exact opposite of Christmas. So I thought that was a great idea to do. So um, without any further ado, this is track four from my latest full album guitar release. Transformation of the Celestial Realm, covered a couple of months ago on the podcast, but none of it was really played. So we're going to do one more track from it now. It's called Lucifer's Lone Star. And, uh, you know, given the Christmas period, you know, the nativity story with all the three wise men following the star, what about if that star was actually Satan's?
There we go then, guys. So that was track four or five, I think. Yeah, track four from uh, Transformation of the Celestial Realm, my album that came out in September. So I just thought I'd play that for you because uh, it's been a couple of months, really. It's been a while since I've played any music from that album on the podcast, and I've really, really enjoyed making that album, and I'm still incredibly super proud of it, and it's still still breaking our records to this day. Um, it's now currently, I think, our third highest-placed album, which is absolutely incredible given the fact it's only been out for a couple of months, whereas some of them have been out for over two years. So I'd just like to give you a quick thank you just once again for listening to all the music and everything. And, uh, you know, it really does warm my heart, especially around this time of the year. It makes everything feel worth it. So so anyway, let's go on to the next section in just a little second. Uh, before that, though, I just want to quickly go over some of the answers to the questions of the month that we uh, asked at the start of the podcast. The first question was... Uh, what is my favourite part of Christmas? And uh, don't worry, there's no sort of, you know, weird... It's not a trick question or anything. It's literally just being around family. That is the answer to that one. Uh, and the second question was... Uh, of course, the second question was... Uh, which Christmas carol was the first song I ever learned to play? And um, for those of you that listened to last month's episode, you will already know this answer. But for those of you that didn't, shame on you. Um... But uh, if you did listen to it, you might have known, um, because the answer is Silent Night. Yes, that was the first Christmas carol I ever learned to play on the piano, and it was also um, the first song altogether that I learned to play as well, um, which is pretty uh, pretty amazing considering how anti-religion I am now. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, learning cover songs is the best way of learning music, isn't it? I think most musicians end up doing it that way, even if they end up having... Uh, you know, music lessons, which is something I never really bothered with. Um, but I think, by and large, most musicians will learn other cover songs at some point or another. And if you don't, you're doing it wrong, basically. So, so yeah, that was the uh, the questions answered, guys. And there's uh, there's actually not that much time left on the show uh, at this point. So we've only really got only one or two more segments left to go through. So uh, I'm not going to rush through them too quickly. I hope you've enjoyed what you've listened to so far. I appreciate it may have been a little bit of a slog in hindsight because it has been an incredibly long episode. But you never know if it's uh, you know if it's cold and chilly outside or if it's snowing and you've got nothing better to do. You decided to flick this on for the last couple of hours. I really do appreciate it, and uh, I hope you've got something out of it. And I hope you have an incredible Christmas and a great New Year as well. So, uh, with that uh, out of the way, let's go through the last couple of things that we've got to talk about this evening. And uh, that is, of course, um, the origins of Christmas. Let's have a little talk about Christmas itself and also um, about how I celebrate Christmas and how other Satanists may celebrate Christmas as well. So uh, so that was something pretty awesome uh, that I thought we could talk about, uh, you know, given the time of year. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be something we can go through in just a second. Alright then guys, so uh, it's, I mean there's a reason why I've saved this particular topic until the very end and it's partly because uh, depending on how informed I am it may either be incredibly interesting or uh, you know absolutely extraordinarily boring um, so uh, I thought I'd you know, include it in here anyway because why not because obviously it is the, it is the season um, and uh, to be fair I haven't done a ton of research into it I'm just going off the things that I've heard and things that I sort of already know I've done a little bit of background looking into it as well because it is an interesting subject, although it's obviously something you can really 
only get away with researching, uh, you know, once a year. So, um, yeah, so obviously we're all familiar with the traditional story of Christmas, you know, the nativity story. I'm sure a lot of us in the UK, at least, probably had that rammed down their throats every single year while they were at school during assembly, which, to be honest, is a whole different kettle of fish all by itself, and that's something that I could easily uh, campaign against just because of how extraordinarily saddening, maddening and brainwashing it is to, you know, literally, I mean, this is what Christians do, guys, you know, this is what religious people do, they indoctrinate people from a young age, um, make them believe that uh, no other potential causes are, um, you know, you know, say for uh, the origins of existence or the creationism, all that sort of stuff is rammed down your throats from such a very young, early age that you're not really able to, uh, you know, you're not really able to say anything against it, you don't really know any better. Which, to be honest, is quite, uh, you know, that's quite a horrible tactic, if you ask me. I think that's very, very insidious and very sneaky and should be banned, in my opinion. Um, but nevertheless, um, obviously a lot of us are familiar with the Nativity story already. Um, the chances of it actually happening or actually of being true at any point are incredibly slim. And, you know, incredibly doesn't even do that justice, really. The, you know, it's, there's not even really sufficient incredible evidence to suggest that Jesus even existed. But even if he did, um, he certainly uh, wasn't the son of God because, uh, just for a start, you know, how the hell did Mary become pregnant? You know, I think there was some shenanigans going on there. I wonder if some uh, ancient, uh, you know, uh, religious leaders or people writing religious scripts at the time decided uh, to... You know, put one in uh, one of the important guys' uh, wives and then suddenly decided against it and uh, tried to write something in the scripture to say that God did it instead just to get, you know, get people off his own back. I, I don't know. That's just one one example uh, of a uh, explanation for that. But, uh, yeah, the normal nativity story is a little bit suspect. Um, you've got all the normal stuff, the gold, the frankincense and the, you know, the three wise men traveling uh, across the deserts and across open plains to follow the northern star to find some weird little inn that uh, somehow managed to have um, you know um, Joseph and Mary give birth to Jesus there then and there in amongst all the donkeys and stuff um, in the middle of Israel or Palestine or somewhere in the Middle East and somehow he turns into a uh, you know fantastic white guy um, with, a, with a big long beard so yeah I don't really get it either guys but uh, you know, that's that's the, the, the Christian kind of a version of events. Um, I mean, if you listen to what they have you believe, Christmas is a tradition that's always been involved um, with Christianity. And it's something that they basically invented. And it's something that, you know, has been around since the dawn of time. Well, I'm sorry to break it to you, but, uh, you know, the Christian uh, festival of Christmas isn't really that Christian um, at, the, at the heart of it. Because, uh, the you know, way before Christmas the modern term even existed, there was uh, such a festival, um, I believe it was a Germanic festival um, beforehand called Yule, which is more or less the same sort of thing, apart from it wasn't so much focused on Jesus or Christianity um, or the birth of Jesus. And to be honest, the, you know, Jesus' birthday is a totally separate uh, issue altogether because obviously uh, you may have heard Christians say that uh, Christmas Day is Jesus' birthday. That is in fact an incredibly large myth because... Um, Using scientific data, you know, if uh, Jesus even did exist in the first place, his birthday wasn't actually on the 25th of December. It's more likely to be around about the somewhere in August or September. So uh, that's a lie, first and foremost. Um, but the Germanic festival of Yule basically existed before Christi Christianity uh, invented Christmas. 
and it's derived from the Anglo-Saxon word geol, which is um, an old-fashioned word, a very arcane word, which uh, was used to describe the uh, feast of the winter solstice, because uh, a lot of the uh, traditional old people, uh, you know, way back when some of the old uh, people of the, the, the sort of um, middle in Europe, decided to celebrate the winter solstice very much in a similar sort of way to the way we do, to you know, celebrate the, the marking of the end of the year, you know, the changing of the seasons, uh, to give themselves a little bit of respite from the cold weather and all this sort of stuff. And uh, obviously the winter solstice is the solar point in the year, um, where the day is at its shortest and the night is at its longest. So obviously you've got to imagine that if the nights are really that long and cold and dark, people need something to lift their spirits a bit. So that's possibly where this celebration started to uh, originate from. Um, since, the earlier, since the early 20th century, um, Christmas has pretty much been a mostly secular uh, festival anyway. You know, obviously Christian, Christian people do uh, celebrate it, but you know, the modern tradition of buying tons and tons of expensive gifts for each other and giving them all on Christmas Day, um, you know, without having to go to church or, uh, you know, taking part in any of the dogmas associated with it is an incredibly modern thing really um, so uh, you know that's kind of a secular way of um, celebrating Christmas where obviously Santa Claus plays a pivotal role and obviously Santa Claus is just about as uh, likely to, to exist as God although uh, we actually have more evidence of Santa's existence because he gives us presents every uh, Christmas so you know it's a very very strange thing so yeah, Christmas is one of those weird things that uh, the Christian community tried to use to distinguish itself uh, from some of the other religions that existed um, to recognise, um, you know, that there's a strong opposition to recognising birthdays of martyrs or, for that matter, Jesus, um, especially when there was other competing religions that, you know, they were quite... Um, quite um, hard to uh, get your attention from really because you know they're all vying for control at the at the point of the medieval times um, so uh, obviously the problem with this is um, the Christian church basically appropriated an existing pagan festival because obviously Yule was what it was called to begin with um, you know but even before that you know you had other things from like the Spanish Navidad, for example, the Noel of, of France. You know, it seems like each country had its own version of an end of year winter sort of uh, celebration. So, you know, even in German, you know, the, the word Weihnachten uh, denotes hallowed night. So they've all got their own different kinds of uh, holiday, whether it's secular or whether it was religious. So, you know, essentially, as much as I love Christmas, as you can see, the entire concept of it is a big crock of shit, really. Um... Yeah, very, very strange. I think it's not really, um, you know, it's, it's pretty common knowledge these days as well that obviously Christmas doesn't start and end with uh, Christianity. There was Yule and, uh, you know, there's other celebrations. There's loads of pagan festivals that um, surround the equinoxes and some other sort of, uh, you know, solar events of the calendar that far predate Christianity. Um, and, you know, Easter, for example, was a pagan holiday, so is Christmas. Basically, any major moment of the Christian calendar that you can identify these days usually has its roots in some form of alternative uh, celebration that pagans experienced. And obviously, way back when, the Christians absolutely hated the pagans, you know, because um, they just believed that Christianity was better, for better or worse, and, uh, you know, they did a lot of nasty things to them, um, you know, took all of their holidays, took all of their uh, holy, uh, you know, holy grounds and, uh, you know, burial sites and all this sort of stuff. 
they basically took uh, control of some of their, <clears throat> you know, the Christians went into essentially every uh, every sort of country and civilization that didn't already have Christianity at its core. They basically went in there at certain points throughout history and invaded them, took away all of their, uh, you know, native uh, culture and erased it, completely wiped it out of existence and history, wiped it off the face of the history books and replaced it all with Christian traditions instead to homogenise everything. And to be honest, that's a pretty despicable sort of practice, if you ask me. So maybe these are a few little things you can be thinking about while you're opening up your Christmas presents. Chances are you won't do. And to be honest, I think it's probably for the best if you don't because, you know, there's nothing like uh, thinking about how horrible Christianity is to spoil Christmas for you. Who'd have thought? So, uh, so yeah, so that's my take on Christmas in terms of the way it's actually structured and organised and some of its historical roots. As for the modern celebration, obviously it's a brilliant, fantastic time of the year. Um, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Christmas, even my cranky old dad who hates spending his money. But, uh, you know, it's a brilliant time of the year. It's great to meet up with friends and family. It's fantastic to have a nice, lovely meal and obviously donate to charity or do any of the other tra- traditions that you typically do with your family. Uh, It's nice to have time off work and see everybody, you know, get some new gifts, listen to some awesome music, um, you know, and just basically, you know, just unwind after a very stressful and hectic year um, and drink as much as you possibly can. And hopefully everyone listening to this is going to be doing all of those things. Um, As for me, as a Levian Satanist, some of you are aware of this, some of you aren't, but to be honest, if you've listened to any of my music, how could you not, how can it not be blindingly obvious? Um... For me, I just basically tend to celebrate Christmas in a very typical way, really. I don't think many many Satanists have any specific things they do. Um, the Church of Satan doesn't really say anything specific about, you know, exactly how you should uh, celebrate Christmas. Um, but, uh, you know, they're not really opposed to anything that you do. Obviously, they prefer it if you, you, know, you didn't involve yourself in any sort of Christian activity. Um, because, obviously, as a Satanist, why the hell would you in the first place? But, you know, even as an atheist and a Satanist, uh, you know, it's not the sort of thing I could see myself doing anyway. Even if I wasn't Satanist, I, there's no there's no way for a fact you'd ever catch me in uh, church on a Sunday, especially on a Christmas, because why the fuck would you ever do that? You know, why am I going to literally waste an hour or two of my life or an entire morning every single week sitting down, listening to some old fart preach about shit from a book which doesn't make any sense whatsoever has never been proved to have anything real in there um and you know it's just a it's just full of a ton of hypocrisy um you know loads of different aspects of the bible contradict each other there's absolutely no evidence that any of it is truthful in any way shape or form um because for that we'd need actual evidence you know scientific testable uh repeatable evidence and that's something that we don't actually have um so, uh, but having said that, I would like you guys to send me in some of your thoughts about this and some messages. Let me know what sort of things you get up to uh, traditionally over Christmas, some of your traditional, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, family traditions perhaps, or let me know about some things that you've got up to. Let me know actually as well next month whether you had a good Christmas and New Year or not, because I think that would be something very, very interesting to go over. Um, so, yeah, so as, my, as for me, myself as a Levine Satanist, um, there's been plenty of satanic holidays that I've celebrated, whether it's Valpurgisnacht, um, the winter solstice or the summer solstice, the equinoxes, uh, Halloween. You know, there's still plenty of dates um, that, that are cause for celebration. Um, and uh, obviously in the satanic Bible, um, Anton Zandor LeVay writes 
that uh, after one's own birthday, the two major satanic holidays are Valpurgisnacht and Halloween. And uh, as you know, it was it was my birthday actually um, last month. I didn't really go over it very much in last month's episode, but I can assure you I had a brilliant day. Uh, you know, I uh, definitely decided to partake in a lot of things that um, made me feel very good. And uh, that's about as far as I'll I'll go there. Uh, so other holidays celebrated by members of the Church of Satan, such as myself, include the solstices, the equinoxes, and Yule. So of course, you know, even by their own standards, Levain Satanists have no exception to celebrating over the Christmas period. So if there's any Christians listening to this that will try and say that because I'm a Satanist I can't partake in Christmas, well, you know, it's just this is just a message to let you know that you know you don't own Christmas, buddy. You know you didn't invent it. You stole it from us. You stole it from the pagans and everyone else that celebrated Yule. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's just not on, guys. <sighs> Here we go. So I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, guys. I'll tell you what, it's been a, a, a massive slog trying to uh, create it this month because it's been a hell of a lot of, uh, um, you know, material. And I've enjoyed every second of it, don't get me wrong, but it has been incredibly busy. Uh, busy at work and everything as well you can tell i've been busy because i I really can't even speak at this point uh rambling for two hours is going to do that to you but hopefully you've really enjoyed yourselves listening to this just going to give you a little bit of information uh unfortunately this isn't pre-prepared this is on the wikipedia page for satanic holidays but i just thought i'd read you a little excerpt of it oh my god i can't speak whatsoever i think it's about time i had some uh, eggnog guys What, what 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 do you think Okay, so uh, I'm going to read you an excerpt from the Wikipedia page for Satanic Holidays about the Christian portrayal of Satanic Days. So Christian authors have written dozens of anti-Satanic books with lists of alleged Satanic ritual days. According to the Ontario Consultants for Religious Tolerance, some authors appear to lack major direct knowledge of Satanism, often making claims without citation or substantiation, which, to be honest, I can attest to as well. There's a hell of a lot of uninformed Christians out there. In the book, The Edge of Evil, Grand High Climax, is said to be a major holiday celebrated by Satanists on December 24th. Now, to be honest, I've been a Satanist for about the last five or six years now, and to be honest, this isn't really something I've heard all that much about, but you can uh, rest assured this is something I'm going to be looking into and possibly looking into celebrating this Christmas, because if it sounds like something fun, especially with it being, you know, what I would have typically known as Christmas Eve, then it's definitely something I'm going to want to try and do. The evangelical Christian author Jerry Johnson writes in his book that this is a celebration meant to juxtapose the Christian holiday of Christmas Eve when the birth of Jesus Christ is celebrated. However, this goal is to blaspheme and is not always prevalent. I mean, insofar as much as that is true, uh, the goal definitely certainly is to blaspheme because I fucking hate Christianity. Um, Johnson claims that Grand High Climax is traditionally celebrated with a black mass, followed by great excesses of food, drink, sex and merriment but a rite called grand high climax and the details of the activities involved is not a rite acknowledged by all satanic groups so that explains of course why i've never celebrated it or listened to it before or about or heard about it sorry i uh, just had to pause the recording briefly there mid-sentence um just for a second because uh, I'm, I'm currently at work recording this as i, as I always am and uh, basically the, the postman comes in around about 10 o'clock every day to drop some of the post off there for some of the other businesses upstairs in the uh, in the building where I work. And uh, I, I had to, to briefly stop the recording because I had a quick conversation with him and he's, he's been learning to uh, 
played guitar very recently. Um, he's only picked it up about six months ago. He's about 55 years of age, but he talks to me and another lad who works here as well who also plays guitar. And, you know, we, we don't know him very well, but we occasionally chat with him about music occasionally. And this is the first time today, I'm, I'm kidding you, I'm shitting you not. Uh, this is the first time he's ever actually asked, but he asked me what my music was like today. So I literally gave him the response that it's all over the place, chaotic, evil stuff, and uh, chances are he won't like it because I, I deliberately make it unlistenable. But feel free to have a listen to it anyway. So gave him the uh, you know the Bandcamp page, let him listen to it. He's just wandered off, happy as Larry. So hopefully he checks that out, and uh, you know never know. Fingers crossed, we might have just made a, a new Infernal Symphony fan. So, wow, brilliant. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, what was I uh, what was I saying? Of course, yeah. So we were talking about satanic holidays. Um, so just for a bit of background on this, the uh, the official Church of Satan website has a FAQ about this, and essentially talks about some of the satanic holidays that I just mentioned already. You know, the equinoxes, all of the different points in nature where you know the solar system and the moon and everything have specific things that happen. And um, the reason we celebrate these is because Satanism is a religion that embraces nature. Um, you know, I'm very much a naturalist, very much um, am a supporter of looking after the planet and, you know, championing against, uh, you know, things like climate change and pollution. Um, and obviously all the stuff uh, recently with the Swedish teenager, uh, Greta, what's her name? I've actually forgot her name now, but all of her campaigning that she's been doing, I haven't paid... Uh, as much attention to it as I admittedly should have done, but you know I definitely applaud her and uh, you know support everything that she she stands for. So, but uh, but uh, the Satanist calendar is quite a varied one. However, um, I suppose one of the reasons why I'm not particularly being that specific about any of this is mostly because as a Satanist, there's not really any kind of uh, incentive to celebrate these unless you're so inclined. So, in other words. You know, there isn't any specific um, points in the calendar that you are forced into celebrating. It's all optional. Um, you know, there's not really any... Uh, oh, what's the word? I actually can't remember the word for some reason. Um, but basically, um, what the uh, Satanic website says about Christmas in particular is that the Christians, of course, stole this holiday from the pagans, and Santa Claus has come to signify indulgence, as he is a combination of the Dionysus and Silenus um, gods of the Roman and Greek myths, as the Romans celebrated the orgiastic Saturnalia at this time. Um, so, the Nazarene has a little place in the general public's celebrations of this season, which were meant by pagans to be celebrations of abundance during a season of cold and emptiness which is the true heart of Christmas. And it is, you know, that is the true heart of Satanism also. So, you know, I would like to, uh, you know, basically just make a proclamation here and say that to any Satanist, to anyone who isn't Christian who still celebrates Christmas, you are more than entitled to do so. Do not feel guilty about this whatsoever. So for the Yule holiday season, we enjoy the richness of life and the company of people whom we cherish, as we will often be the only ones who know where these traditions actually came from. Halloween is also important. I know it's a, a couple of months out of date at this point, but I didn't really go over it in as much detail as I'd have liked the last episode as well. And essentially, Halloween is also a very, very important uh, celebration and time of the year for Satanists because not only is it a nice chance to, uh, you know, to, to dress up in a spooky costume, watch horror movies, uh, you know, eat some toffee apples 
uh, carve some pumpkins, but it's also a brilliant time of the year for celebrating those that are close to us that have departed this world. Um, you know, it's a night of the year where darkness um, is at the forefront of the mainstream, which is brilliant for us. Particularly in the United States, Halloween is a time for celebrating monster films, wearing costumes of a macabre nature and evoking the thrill of fun fear. Uh, there are traditions in other sort of cultures and parts of the world which have um, you know, their place and for celebrating the recalling of the dead. But Halloween in the Western culture has been popularised as a time to play with what historically uh, fears were directed towards what we thought to be the unquieted spirits to the departed. So, in other words, before we were all enlightened with science... Um, and we realised that once you're dead, that's the end of it. People used to actually believe that when you died, obviously there was some sort of afterlife and there was unquieted spirits and ghosts and things like that. And Halloween was originally a pagan celebration of trying to quell those fears and trying to, you know, uh, pay tribute to these, uh, you know, these ghosts and these spirits to, to you know, to appease them and, and calm them and help them into their, their roots onto the, uh, the next life. Um, so, uh, so that's what it is. Satanists embrace what these holidays have become and do not feel the need to be tied to ancient practices or to modern traditions. Uh, on Christmas, we smile at the amateur explorers of their own inner darkness, for we know that they enjoy their brief dip into the pool of the shadow world. We encourage their tenebrous fantasies, their candid indulgence and the wide-ranging evocation of our aesthetics. So, in other words, Christians can celebrate Christmas, Halloween is for the Satanists, and all of these traditions that Christians follow are for the pagans. So there we have it, guys. It looks like we've pretty much reached about uh, the end of the episode of the podcast for this month and the last one of this year. So, oh dear, it seemed to go really quickly, didn't it, in the end? So, uh, But not to worry, we'll be back again this time next month. Um, the first Monday of every month is when the new episodes of the podcast are going to come out in the future. They're always scheduled for the first Monday of each month. Um, depending on uh, how well it goes, how many uh, sort of voice messages we get in and how many guests we, c- we can pr- procure and things like that where, you know, depending on how much content we're able to do uh, for the podcast and also more to the point how much free time I'll actually have to create them and edit them as well. Um, depending on that, they'll either be once a month or we'll might, might possibly even stretch to twice a month as well. We'll see. So... But, uh, yeah, that should be hopefully something to look forward to next month, along with all of the releases that I'm going to be putting out and everything else that we've talked about over the past two hours. Um, and also, there's plenty of other things I've got in store for next year as well. So, seeing as it's the New Year's edition of the episode, and, uh, you know, hopefully we end up doing some really good stuff next year. Um, I basically have a few ideas in mind, obviously time and finances permitting, but I'd love to get some more merch made because that's something that's definitely been on my to-do list for a hell of a long while for Infernal Symphony. You know, the mugs have sold pretty well. Um, I do need to get some finances in order to be able to make more, but I'm also hoping to make some other little bits and pieces and possibly some T-shirts or something like that as well. Obviously, I'm unable to do that at the particular point in time that we're in now. But, uh, you know, maybe if my uh, situation changes in any way... As soon as I get some spare, you know, dollar, that's the first thing I'll be spending it on. So hopefully you guys are really going to enjoy that. Obviously, we've still got all the usual albums and EPs that are going to be coming out. Um, What else is going to be in store for us next year? Well, I guess partly we'll have to wait and see because you never know what the future holds. But I'm actually working on some music with a friend of mine that's totally separate from Infernal Symphony, but some of that may be featured on the page. It may not. Um... 
but that's definitely something that's really exciting. I've also got a few collaboration albums that I have planned as well. Again, I can't give you too, details, too many details away, depending on whether they fall through or not, but I'm really hoping to get some stuff done with some of my buddies in the Midlands Metal one-man band scene. Um, and then we'll see where we go from there, depending on whether I can get my recording setup sorted out or not. Maybe we'll do some more guitar-based music. Maybe we'll stick to the dungeon synth. I actually have, to be honest, not really any much of a real idea at the moment. But no matter which uh, way it goes, or no matter what happens, we're definitely in for an exciting, incredible 2020 next year with Infernal Symphony. Because, you know, the past two or three years, I can't believe we've been going for this long now already and uh, every single year every month every album release things have just been built up and gotten better and had more listens and had more likes and you know and it's just the thing where i don't know where this whole thing is going to end you know it's just been snowballing for so long pardon the pun i just hope it carries on and hopefully um you know that's what's going to happen next year i'm going to do my absolute hardest you know try my absolute hardest and do everything i possibly can to make sure that happens as well um but thank you ever so much, guys, for everything that you've done for me ever since this band first started. Every single listen, every single purchase, every single download, every single like, every single share, all of it really makes a massive difference to my life, guys. It, you honestly don't... I don't think you'll ever understand how much of a difference it makes and how much it affects me and how important this is to me. So just like to give you a absolutely monumentally, satanically massive thank you for supporting me in every single way that you all do. I really hope you have an incredible Christmas, a fantastic New Year, and I wish you the best of luck in anything you choose to do next year as well. That's really, really heartfelt from me, guys, from Demonic Bishop towards you, my fans. Uh, but unfortunately, we have come towards the end of the podcast now, guys. So for those of you that have made it this far, I salute you with the raised metal horns and a satanic pentagram emblazoned on the floor. Uh, so thank you very much for listening guys this has been episode 3 of the Pestilence Podcast, the Christmas New Year and absolutely fucking awesome edition, I am Demonic Bishop, you guys have been amazing thank you for uh, listening to the podcast and we'll see you this time next month goodbye ho 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 ho